Matthew chapter 5, if you turn there in your Bibles, we are presently going through the Gospel of Mark, but we have been spending the past few months in the Gospel of Matthew, and the reason we're doing that, I told the folks when we began that once we got chronologically to the place where Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount, that we would drop back and study the Sermon on the Mount. So that's where we're at. We're in chapter 5. We're going to wind down. If you've been with us, you know that uh, we've been taking little bites at this, you know, little portions at a time, because frankly, there's so much here that needs to be considered. Kind of the framework of the Sermon on the Mount is that Jesus says, you're Righteousness needs to surpass the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. Another, you know, framework of what Jesus taught here is seen at the end of chapter 5, and that is you must be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And so these are heavy things. Next week we'll look at the perfect thing and we'll uh, understand it a little bit better. But our text begins where we left off last week. It begins in verse 33. I'll go ahead and read it. You can stay seated. It says, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. I had a hard time getting that S out there. (laughs) But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your yes be yes, and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. And then going on, verse 38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, Not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, that would be the inner garment, let him have your cloak, the outer garment also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. And Lord, we always need your word and we need your spirit to understand your word and we pray Holy Spirit that you would teach us today that you would help us Lord as we're no doubt listening to what I'm saying but I pray even more importantly with our Bibles open as we're looking at our text before us today that you Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us personally as you see fit We pray that we would receive so that we could apply to our lives. We know that, Lord, our faith is increased. We're growing. We're maturing spiritually through your word and through your word only. And so our prayer is, teach us, Lord. Your children have ears to hear what you have to say. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Jesus, as I've mentioned the past few weeks, Jesus took, in chapter 5 of Matthew, he took six commandments from the law. The law not being the Ten Commandments, the law being the first five books of the Bible. 
And so here it begins, our text begins, with the law of oaths. We see this in Leviticus 19, verse 12, where it reads, And you shall not swear by my name falsely, nor shall you profane the name of your God. And then the Lord adds, I am the Lord. So he says, don't swear by my name. Don't do that. Now, of course, we know from the New Testament that the scribes and Pharisees would make oaths quite often. They would make vows, you know, and oaths and promises. And they always had a built-in exit clause. Uh, You know, they were the experts in the law. Surely, they were like lawyers, you know. They always had a way out. I'm sorry if anyone's a lawyer here, but got to watch that. I want to offend when it counts. <laughs> anyway, but, um, but they would have these built-in exit clauses. And, and so what they would do is they would say, um, well, you know, the Bible says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, found in the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. And they would interpret that to mean you could take any other name or any other thing and use it in an oath. But then if you wanted to get out of that oath, you, you could simply say, well, because God himself was not, his name was not named in this oath, I'm free. I don't have to, I'm not obliged to, to keep this oath. And so Jesus, he deals with this and he says, listen, you, just let your yes be yes, let your no be no. You know, I'm not proud of it, but when I was a kid, I, I wasn't a Christian. I was raised in a religious home. But, but when I was a kid, kind of the thing to do, it wasn't a good thing, if you're young people, don't do this. But it was to say, when you wanted to make your point, when you wanted someone usually to believe your lie, I swear to God. See, you're calling on God now to be the witness, and usually it was to your lie. Because if you were just simply telling the truth, usually you wouldn't go to such drastic measures. Uh, Or maybe when you're even younger, you know, you make a promise and you have your fingers crossed behind your back. That was the scribes and the Pharisees. They would make these oaths, even to their own parents, they would make oaths. And they would not keep the oath. They found an exit clause on every occasion. So having to swear or to make make or take an oath uh, it really speaks to the fact that there is not much character or the weakness of your words, you know. We have a hard time believing this person. You know, it's, it's really important, isn't it? I'm just on a practical level. If you say you're going to do something, do it. Don't make promises you, you're not going to keep or you can't keep because it really will come back on you. And the way it comes back on you is that people just say, oh, he always says stuff like that. We had a, a situation years ago, and, and someone had made a promise, you know. I want to do this. I, Pastor Dan, I want to do this for you and your family. Now, I've learned um, you always kind of take things like that with a little grain of, you know, a big grain of a big salt lake, you know, because you, you just kind of wait and see. I don't mean to be cynical, but I guess I am cynical. But I want to do this for you. I want to do this for you and your family. And, oh, that's wonderful. Are you sure? No, no, really. I want to do this. I, and then, you know, you kind of add to it. The Lord put this upon my heart to do, <laughs> to do this thing for you. Okay. The thing still hasn't been done. 
It's never going to get done. Years later, the fellow did a job for the church. And we didn't ask him to do any more than he had already done. You know, he did a good job on what he did, but wanted to take it a little bit further. I grew up in this church. That cross up there, it's not lit up. I want to I wanna get that thing fixed. I'm going to get that thing fixed for you. I'm going to make sure that that light is shining, that cross is lit up, you know. And I go, oh, great, great. Have you been by at night? <laughs> that thing's not shining. So after a while, you realize that, well, this person, they say things. I think they might even mean it in the moment. And maybe they speak without really thinking about it and realize, I don't really have the means to do that. I don't have the time to do that, whatever it might be. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. And you know that James, and I say this quite often, but as a student of the scriptures, as you study through the scriptures, guys, it's apparent that the apostles did not write or did not teach anything that they did not hear from Jesus. This was true of Paul, even though that Paul was not a disciple of Jesus when Jesus was alive before the crucifixion and resurrection and ascended ascension into heaven. He came to faith in Christ after, but he still knew the teachings of Jesus. He came to know the teachings of Jesus. So whatever he taught was just based upon what Jesus had already taught. They were just simply amplifying or repeating the things that Jesus had taught. James did the same thing. Remember James, we have his little epistle in our Bible. James was the younger brother of Jesus himself. In James chapter 5, verse 12, we read, But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. I mean, this is precise, almost word for word of what Jesus said. And he's just simply repeating it in his epistle. Side note. Isn't it interesting how the debate that that people enter into when it comes to scripture you know uh martin luther not martin luther king martin luther the reformer uh martin luther he nailed the 95 theses on the wittenberg door if you say i have no idea what you're talking about look it up and read it it's it's interesting you know it's really important for us even though we've been basking in the blessing of that for a long, long time, and we don't even give credit where credit is due. He kind of started the thing. But he had a strange view when it came to the Jews. Uh, some of the things he said were really kind of demonic. It's interesting, his statement on the epistle of James, because he thought that James contradicted Paul. And so he called James' epistle an epistle of straw. He also said, and in fact, excluded uh, James and the book of Revelation and another, another never exclude <laughs> books of the Bible. These epistles are there for a reason. The Lord had these men write these things as they were led, directed by the Holy Spirit. So that's that. Oaths. We good on that? I think we're good on that. Now we get to the hard part. At least it's the hard part for me. Jesus he makes these statements that the first one, well, we would say, yea and amen. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And the natural man, the natural woman, the flesh, says, yes, that sounds fair. You poke out my eye, I'm going to poke out your eye. 
You know, that sounds fair. And Jesus does not do what we've seen him do thus far. He does not give the true meaning of the law that's being quoted. Here he completely changes it up and he says, listen, I'm changing this law for you to an attitude. I'm not giving you an interpretation of the law because the law simply says an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. What more could it mean? In fact, we know exactly what it means because it's repeated. It's, it's in Exodus chapter 21, verse 24, Leviticus chapter 24, verse 20, Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 21. This law was given to protect the innocent and to make sure that any retaliation did not go beyond the offense. So, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus said, But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Now, that's difficult. Because there's a lot of evil people in the world. He changes, he replaces the law with an attitude. Remember, that's what the Beatitudes are all about. Blessed are the peacemakers. I think that would apply here. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Jesus teaches, now listen, Jesus teaches the Christian. He teaches uh, his disciples. Remember, that's who he's teaching. He's teaching his disciples. There was a multitude there as well. But Jesus is teaching his disciples that they must, we must be willing to suffer rather than to cause others to suffer. That's what he's teaching here. And I want you to note that this is applied to personal insult. The Lord is not saying, listen, now this is something that needs to be applied by nations, by armies, by police forces. <laughs> you know, could you imagine? Turn the other tree. I, I think there lies the problem. We're in western Washington, and for some reason, we have a, a legal system that is you know, almost taking the words of Jesus, though they're not, I'm playing with this a little bit, and they're interpreting it in a perverted way, and they're saying, we need to turn the other cheek. What do you mean, Dan? We're not going to pro- prosecute. You're not going to be punished for your crime, you know. And that's what we're seeing. By the way, just as the Bible said, that lawlessness would abound. That's precisely what we're seeing. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. You see, you say, gosh, is there any justice in the land? And we're getting to a place where there's not much. So Jesus applied this to personal insult, not to groups, not to nations. He says, turn the other cheek. Turn the other, or turn to him the other. Now, um, I just got to tell you, there's nothing, and it's been a long time since this has happened to me. I hope it doesn't happen ever again in my lifetime. But I remember as a young guy, the most humiliating thing is a slap in the face. Most guys, because of our pride, we could handle a punch, but a slap. There's something about a slap, a slap in the face. It's humiliating. What do you mean by that? Let me rip that arm off, you know. I mean, it's a hard thing. And Jesus says this, and you say, 
oh man, what was it, what was happening at that time? Why would someone come up and just slap you in the face? He talks about if someone wants your outer garment, well, you got to take your outer garment off or your inner garment. You have to take your outer garment off to give him your inner garment. Give it all to him. Really, Lord? Yeah. He says, if someone compels you to go one mile, you say, in what setting would someone say, come with me one mile? And this is the setting. It was the Romans. The Romans would come, and they had the right as occupiers of Judea, you know. They would come up. They would come up to a Jew, or anyone, really, that wasn't a Roman. They'd come up to him and say, uh, carry my pack for a mile. And they were obligated to carry the pack for a mile. And Jesus says, listen, don't just carry it for a mile. Take it for two miles. See, in fact, <laughs> when you look at this, it almost seems like Jesus was saying, listen, I want you guys to do something. You're my followers. You're my disciples. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I want you to blow their minds. How? By not reacting the way they would expect you to react. Blow their mind. Now, I don't think Jesus spoke like that, but, but in modern vernacular, or my vernacular, you know, uh, blow their minds. Because I'll tell you, if you were forced to go one mile, and then you spent the second mile talking to them about Jesus. Do you think you'd be able to talk to a Roman soldier about Jesus? I think you probably would, because he'd be scratching his helmet saying, who in the world is this? What, what is this guy or this gal all about? That they would, And usually they wouldn't ask a woman to carry the pack. But what's this guy all about? That they would take my pack, this heavy pack that I don't even like carrying, and carry it for two miles. Here's the thing. That would get someone's attention. And when you've got their attention, you have their ear. And when you have their ear, you have opportunity to speak to them about Jesus. Now, I, um, I'm not real good at this. I'll be honest. These are difficult things. I was telling the first service that, uh, you know, I worked, my trade was a carpenter. I was a carpenter and loved carpentry. And... Um, I was asked to come on full-time, so a paid position, at the church that we attended. And so it was, I mean, literally, it was my last day on the construction site before going on staff at the church. My last day. And I'm working on this job, and there's a superintendent there. He's not our boss. He's just the superintendent of the job. I'm working for another friend, a contractor, a Christian brother, and we're doing some framing within this, uh, this building. So we're subcontractors. And so we're in there, and I asked the guy for, you know, where, where's the lumber? You know, there's nothing in here. Oh, it's over in that warehouse. Okay, I'll go get it, and I get it. And, and the guy was just kind of a little snappy, you know, toward me. And, and I got to the point where I just got tired of the attitude. You know, Who do you think you're talking to? I, I would say that quite often. <laughs> That's really not of it. Every time I said that, it was always to the wrong person that would tell me who they were. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I'm embarrassed that it came to the point where we're, we've got words. We're going back and forth, and I drop my bags. You know what that means. 
go time. I wasn't going to go, I mean, but I just dropped my bags, and it was kind of, and then when I did that, you know, I just got loud, and I got big, and I could see that I was intimidating the guy, because now he's going, man, this guy's unhinged. And I'll tell you, I was so embarrassed. It was like, what are you doing, you idiot? I mean, what, <laughs> honestly, it was like, you know, you've got hours to go before this job ends, and you're done. And I just, you know, blew it. I'll tell you what happened. I ended up being able, after I apologized <laughs> over and over and over again, I said, I am so sorry. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm an idiot. I shouldn't have talked to you that way. That was so rude. And the guy said, oh, that's fine. That's fine. I mean, he's a carpenter. You know, he's a construction worker. So he's kind of used to men acting like children, you know. And <laughs> no offense, guys. But, um, and, but he says, no, it's fine. It's fine. He goes, no, no. I said, no, I'm sorry. You know, I, I'm a Christian. I said, actually, this is my last day because I'm, I'm a... I'm an assistant pastor at a church, and I'm I'm going on staff, and he's just kind <laughs> of. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I said, can I tell you about Jesus? I said, he's nothing like me. I'm a jerk. He's not, you know. And I was able to share the gospel with him. It's hard. These things are hard. These are not easy things. In fact, no. Listen. I think sometimes we forget that Jesus was speaking of personal insult. The Christian should be willing to suffer injury against themselves for the sake of peace. This isn't for being persecuted. That's not what the text is speaking of. It's just simply not resisting an evil man. That's the text. In order to do this, we need to have faith in the Lord. The Lord, I believe, by saying this, he's teaching us, if you are motivated, if your life is driven by getting even, you will be a slave. So learn to take injury. When it comes to yourself, to just take it, get over it, commit your ways, your, 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 you know, your life to the Lord. He'll take care of you. In fact, you know, Paul really spoke on that. Let me just read it to you. You'll probably remember the text. It's from Romans chapter 12. Paul wrote, repay no one evil for evil. Where did he get that? Jesus. (laughs) He got that from Jesus. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. I mean, these are heavy things. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Something happens when we put this into practice. Our enemies become our friends. I'm embarrassed to say this, but I'm going to say it. When I was a teenager, 
the majority of my guy friends that were like best friends were guys that we got into it. Just being jerks. Playing street football. Someone hits a little too hard for street football. Then you're shoving each other. Who do you think you are? Da, 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 da. After the game, you say, hey, we should hang out. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> we became like best friends. You know, guys, the Lord wants us to, to, to not be consumed with this kind of animosity and, oh, I've got to get even and, and, oh, I can't believe they've done this to me and I'm, I'm going to get them back one day and they're going to pay and this type of thing. And the Lord says, listen, through Paul, let me take vengeance. See, listen, there's justice. But let the judge, let the righteous judge deal with it because we're not, we're not righteous in our judgments. We're self-centered in our judgments. Guys, listen. I think sometimes people, because they're not really reading the scriptures, they're not really studying the scriptures, they just kind of read through them, they kind of have a general idea of how Christ was. I think they think that Jesus was like this, this complete pushover. That if anyone wanted to come up and just pop Jesus on the head, he would just kind of take it and go, I, I don't get that impression at all. In fact, we have an account where Jesus was popped by a servant of the high priest or an official of the high priest. And you know what he did when he, you know what his response was when he got struck in the face? He asked, why did you strike me in the face? That was his response. What are you doing? Let me read it to you. Jesus answered him, if I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? But you know, in other places, of course, when Jesus was being beaten and scourged and crucified, we have from Isaiah, Isaiah speaking prophetically of Jesus. It says, as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. I don't think that Jesus just let people push him around. Because you know what we see Jesus? We see Jesus taking control in his life and in his ministry. We see Jesus standing with the woman caught in adultery. I mean, he's not condoning what she's done, but he's not going to stand by and let them just stone her to death. When it's not fair, where's the man? What's going on here? You know, he, he's writing in the dirt. We, we could only guess what he was writing in the dirt, but he's writing something in the dirt that caused them to leave by the old, from the oldest to the youngest. So Jesus was not a pushover. But surely Jesus, he modeled what he's saying here. Peter tells us, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously and were to do the same. Christians were not to be, were, were to be known by our humility and our, our selflessness, and we're not to be known as the, the, you know, the street bully or the vigilante that, you know, is so quick to arm up and, you know, get the posse we're going, you know. I want you to think about this. When Jesus says, turn the other cheek, it means something. In order to turn the other cheek, it means you need to stay put. Do you get it? 
How do you go? <laughs> You're running away? No. You get hit? You get slapped? He said, turn the other cheek. Wow. This is a Rambo kind of thing going on here. <laughs> it's not the timid, you know, please don't hit me again. Turn the other cheek. I'll tell you, if someone slapped you in the face and you turn the other cheek to them, they probably would think twice about hitting you again. You know, because they're, they're saying, what's with this person? Listen, it takes faith. Faith in God. Lord, I, I'm trusting in you because if this guy or this person just keeps slapping me, you know, I, I don't know how long I'm going to last before I retaliate, you know. Or, Lord, I don't want to be injured. I don't want to be killed. I don't want to be... No one likes being insulted. I commit myself to you. It's faith. But you know what it also speaks of? It speaks of courage. We watched that short little film. We, one of the families of the church bought a case of the books, Tortured for Christ, concerning their story, and we gave it to all the folks that wanted it. And Just an amazing story. And... You know, when you read the story, these people were not timid. They were not cowering in the darkness. They were bold. They were strong in their faith. They just underwent personal insult without retaliating. When we stay put, when we're being mistreated. Now, again, I don't think that anyone's going to slap us today in the face. No one's going to compel us to go one mile or two miles, you know, whatever it might be. No one's going to take our, our cloak, maybe, you know, a carjacking or something like that. But that's kind of a different picture, isn't it? It's kind of something that's happening very quickly. But how can this relate to our life today? How can this be seen in our day-to-day life today? See, it's not just a physical thing, but it's an attitude of the heart. My response to our Lord's exhortations, let me read them again. Turn the other to him also. Let him have your cloak also. Go with him two miles. Give to him who asks you. Do not turn away. My response, my honest response is, I can't do this. My honest response is, I don't want to do this. That's my honest response. I do not want to do this. And that's why I need, and that's why you need, that's why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to be empowered by the Spirit, because in and of ourselves, we are not that way. We want to retaliate. We want to get even. You know, I say, I can't do this in and of myself, in my flesh. I cannot do this. I don't want to do this. But the scripture says, for with God, nothing will be impossible. So that's our text for today. Now I'm going to share my opinion. So you know what you could do with a person's opinion. You don't have to take it. The word of God is the word of God. I think that my opinion is based upon my understanding of the Word of God. I'm concerned because 
we live in a culture, we live in a time where courage is not something that, you know, you see quite often. You don't think of courage when you hear on the news or what, you know, watch here, read the news of some woman being sexually violated on a train and nobody steps in and helps. And some people, and it sounds like more than some people, are videotaping the thing on their phones. Courage doesn't come to mind. Oh, man, you got to turn the other cheek. Don't get involved, man. Listen, 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 listen. It's not your cheek that's being bruised. It's someone else's cheek that's being bruised, that's being assaulted. I believe that if there's any excuse for us, men, I'm speaking to you right now, because you know what? Sometimes the women are so courageous. I mean, honestly, it's like they don't care. I, I remember when I was in sixth grade, um, I was in this uh, class, uh, my class was sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. So it was three grades in one class. And there was a, an eighth grader in my class, and a uh, big guy. And, um, and he walked up to me, and he handed me his pen. He says, hold this for me. And so I took it, and he immediately started throwing me around, saying, why do you steal my pen? Why do you? And popping me in the head and everything. And this guy was a lot bigger than I was, and I just thought, man, I... You know, and you know who came to my rescue? Three eighth grade girls. They did. They just immediately, you know, hey, leave him alone. Who do you think you are? And the guy was so humiliated, you know, that I'm getting called out by these three girls. You know what was cool about that story? Our teacher, his name was Mr. Love. And, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was a, an athlete. He was like he was. He had gray hair and everything. He was old, ancient, probably in his forties or something. But um, <laughs> but he was also our gym teacher. And so right after that happened, I mean, it was like the same day. We go into the room, you know, the wrestlers' room, and there's the mat with the big circle on it. And he says, "Okay, guys, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to just point." At two guys, you guys get up. I don't care how you do it. You just get your opponent out of the ring, out of the circle. And so it was like he picks two guys, you know, and they get him. And the very next, you know, twosome that he picks is me and that guy. And I was like, Mr. Lowe, what are you doing? And I was so fearful. I just charged at that big guy, that big old lug, that bully. And I picked him up. I literally I picked him up and just, and everyone roared. The guy was humiliated. He never showed his face again. <laughs> you know what, guys? We need to be a people who care. I, you know, I don't say it lightly. I, I would hope that, well, I would, if, if your wife or your children or your grandchildren, if you have grandchildren, were in danger, I, I believe that I would do whatever I could do to help them, whatever that looks like. 
I cannot imagine, just knowing myself, you could ask my wife, she knows me, she lives with me, that, that Danny will not just walk away from the thing. He will not say, I don't want to get involved in that mess. He's going to, usually Tracy's saying, oh, Danny, don't, you know, <laughs> but let's, you know, call the police or do something, you know. But my first reaction is, someone needs help, let's, let's do it. So I make that promise to you. If you're a wife, or even you, a man, if you're in danger, I'll, I'll, I'll help you. But I want to ask you, will you do that if my wife or my children or my grandchildren are in danger? Will you get involved and make a phone call or jump in or do something to stop the assault? Would you do that? And I think all of us would say, yes, we've got each other's back. We've got each other's back. But let's take it to the next step. What about a stranger? See, this is where it begins to break down. It's a stranger. I don't know them. I know nothing about them. Why should I get involved in their life, in their situation? You know, leave it alone. I don't need the headache. Leave it alone. You ready for a big detour? Some of you will get angry. It's okay. I have a knack. There are, though I don't think, well... As a carpenter in the 70s, the 80s, early 80s, um, OSHA, they were for the working man. Do you remember that? OSHA. Is that ladder OSHA approved? <laughs> Watch that ladder. You know, before OSHA would get on those little metal ladders that, you know, they just wait. They're like, Demons, you know, they just wait till you get up and then they go, now. (laughs) So OSHA approved and they were there for the common man. And now we hear of OSHA penalizing the common man or woman who wants to work, wants to keep their job, wants to do you know, what they've been doing. They want to support their family. Guys, have you looked around? Have you gone anywhere? Have you gone to a... a Tracy and I went to Olive Garden the other night. Uh, We're coming home from the airport. And so we go into Olive Garden, and uh, the waitress or the hostess comes up, and she says, you'll have to sit down. Uh, We don't have enough people on staff, uh, but we'll, we'll seat you as soon as we possibly can. And I said, okay, no problem. And so I say to Tracy, I'm going to go to the restroom. I'll, I'll meet you back here, you know. So I walk in. I'm expecting the place to be packed out, you know, like it used to be. You know, <laughs> you know, Olive Garden, hand me that bread, you know, that type of thing. And I walk in, there's hardly anyone there. I'm looking around, I'm going, where is everybody? And that's what we see. People aren't working. I took my cleaning crew which happened to be my grandchildren. Uh, a few weeks ago, we went over to Fidago Burger, great burgers and shakes. We go over there. We're sitting, you know, it used to be an A&W, so you sit there in your car, and we're eating. And I said, guys, look at the sign on the, on the door. And wait service, they're, they're hiring, $23 an hour to work there. As a waitress, I looked at the kids. I said, 
guys, this is a good gig. I mean, that's a lot of money. You know, but, you know, people are having a hard time getting people to work. And so shut down, shut down, shut down, shut down. And all, as all of this is happening, what, what insult to injury. You need to get the thing. If you don't get the thing, we're going to shut you down. You say, oh, Dan, please don't go there. Don't go there. I'm going to go there. And this is why I'm going to go there. Because I, I don't think, I hope that I have it. And if I have, I apologize because it was never deliberate. But if you, and we've had, we have a lot of people in the church that have taken the vaccination. The people that have told me they've taken the vaccination. That's their prerogative. They're free. I would never shame someone for taking the vac- oh, I'm not supposed to say that because this is live stream. But hardly anyone watches anyway. So, <laughs> Anyway, um, but I've never shamed someone for doing that. People pray through these things. They say, you know what? I don't have any choice. I don't really feel comfortable with this. I'm going to do this. I need to keep my job. Praise the Lord. That's between you and the Lord. But there are others that are paying the consequences because of their convictions or simply because they don't want to put something in their body. They don't know what the reaction is. There's not enough information about it. They're taking a stand, and they're the ones being penalized. So what are we doing, folks? We're standing with the ones that are being victimized. That's what we're doing. Some of our family members went to Marysville last week, last Wednesday, for kind of a support Supporting people, taking a stand against this. You know, I hope you're watching what's happening in the world. It's happening all over the world. As Americans sit in apathy, not wanting to do anything, the rest of the world is coming alive and saying, we're done. We're done with this. We're not doing this anymore. You cannot force us. You cannot do this. And it's an uphill battle. But our kids, some of our kids and grandkids went to this thing and Someone drove by, they told me, drove by, rolled down the window and said, you know, something like, you stupid people, no one's forcing you. And the response of the people, the nurses and the, you know, they said, we've lost our job. How could you say no one's forcing us? We are being forced. So you say, well, Dan, how does this tie in? It may not look like a slap in the face. I bet it feels like a slap in the face for some of you that are losing your jobs, your, your pension and everything. Some of you say, oh, it's not going to happen. It's happening. Talk to the active duty people. Talk to them. They're the ones. I'm not getting this information off of Google. I'm just simply going off of what they're telling me. This is what they're being told. So it will never happen. They're just trying to threaten them. Oh, what a wonderful leadership that is. Let's threaten people with threats that we don't mean to carry out. We need to stand with people because people are being marginalized. James says, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. You say, how does this tie in? I think it's blatant enough. I think it's obvious enough. I think that most of us aren't like people on that train watching that woman being victimized, not for seconds, but for many, many minutes. How do you do that as a human being? How do you take out your phone and start videotaping that 
Who are you going to share that madness with? And whoever you shared it with, are they going to sit back and laugh about it and say, oh, this is so great. I wish I would have been there. What kind of people think that way? It's insane. The Germans were successful in convincing the people, the general public, that the Jews are dirty. They have a disease. You may catch it. We need to isolate them. We need to keep those people away from you people. Sounds good. Sounds good. Why does it sound good? Because I'm not a Jew. Pastors in, in, in churches, we read that as churches that were close to the railway, as they could hear the trains slowly making their way, and the, and the people in these cattle cars screaming out, we read that pastors would encourage their congregation to sing louder so that they could drown out the screams of the people. You say, oh, Dan, this is dramatic. You're trying to relate this to that. No, I'm not. I'm just simply saying that the powers that be are using this to manipulate people and to separate people. We watched it with the critical race theory. It's wrong. I mean, listen, if you look at people and and, and you judge people by race, that's sin. Repent of it. Deal with it. But I think the, mo- the majority of us living today, we don't do that. We have friends that are friends because they're our friends. We don't select friends based upon their nationality or their ethnic background. We just don't do that. I don't believe the lie. Bonhoeffer said, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not... Hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. This is why from time to time, I don't do it all the time. But I do mention this because I don't want Christian people to think, you know, our lives would just get back to normal if these holdouts would just simply take the vaccination. That's wrong thinking. And it would be just as wrong if people who did not want to take the vaccine were saying, you know, those fools that are taking the vaccination, you know, what are they thinking? See, we should let each person, through prayer and their own convictions and everything, make their decisions, and it should not divide us as a people. Here's the problem, guys. Now, as of last week, the commercials are rolling directed toward our children. Kids, do you want to be superheroes? Get the shot. You'll be like a superhero. And we don't even know how the children will react to this superhero theorem, the the, the, um, vaccine. We don't know. If everyone would just comply If everyone would just comply, do the right thing, we could all get back to normal. Are you back to normal? Is anyone back to normal? 
When you got the vaccination, did all of a sudden your life go back to normal? Can you go into a store without a mask? Can you go to a restaurant without a mask? Do you have to continue to get boosters because of the vaccine? That's when they, you're not free. Those who refuse to take the vaccination, they're not free. Nobody's free. No one has normal anymore. You know why? Because there is no normal. Because all of this is leading up to what the Bible says. Tyranny. Control. Martin, I'll end with this. You guys come up. It gets heavy, doesn't it? It's my opinion, so you could disagree with it. You could leave your complaints in the agape box on your way out. Niemöller, Martin Niemöller wrote this. First they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionist, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak out for me. I'm simply saying... We are living at a time where people are being victimized because of choices that they're making, and it should not be that way. And as churches, we should not comply to this. Shame on the pastors. Resign. Get a job someplace else. There's plenty of work out there. But shame on the pastors that are marginalizing the people of their church or separating the people of their church or saying if you're vaccinated you could sit up front come on welcome come on in glad to have you if you're not sit up in the balcony shame on churches that do that that's not what the lord would do and it infuriates me that we're treating this thing like it's something that it's not and you cannot tell me the lord that i serve who would touch lepers You say, but he was Jesus. He's not afraid of leprosy. Listen, I'm down on the Catholic Church. I'm not like down on it, like good way. I'm down on it because I was raised a Roman Catholic. But I think of the Roman Catholic priest in Hawaii ministering to the lepers, touching them, caressing them, showing them love. When his authorities would come and, and they would say, don't do that to the people. Don't do, and he says, how can I but do this to the people? This is my congregation. This is my, my flock. You know what happened to him? He got leprosy and he died. But I'm boom. He got what was coming. No, he was what the Lord had called him to be. So let us be a people who consider these things rather than just looking and saying, yeah, anyone slaps me in the face, I think I can handle it. I'll just turn the other one. Someone compels me to go in. I mean, these things aren't happening for us today. But to look at how it might be taking place in our life today. And if our heart is, is becoming bitter toward people who aren't or are, we're in the wrong. We need to confess that. We need to repent of that. I, I kept you long. In fact, we got to just, can we, yeah. Okay. You know, Tracy was down visiting her dad, her dad in Santa Barbara. And um, um, when you go in to visit, you know, because it's all elderly people and he has dementia, you know. And so whenever we would go, and Tracy was telling me about this last time she went, you have to fill out papers. So the papers, of course, in light of the 
days in which we live. Uh, have you had the vaccination? That was the first question. And then the second question was, have you had COVID? She said, yes, I have, I've had COVID. They let her come in free. Why? Science! <laughs> Science! It's being shoved in our brains, in our, in our throats all the time. Science! That natural immunity. Even this, this facility that houses elderly people that are the most vulnerable people among us recognize the science behind this. And you guys should be rejoicing because you happen to be attending a church where the majority of the people have already been diseased with this body. <laughs> and we've gotten through it. And we, we've got the bullet, you know, the silver bullet. The sh- anyway, we're done. Stand with me, please. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. For you. Okay. Father, we thank you. I, I pray, Lord, that we would just consider these things. I know that sometimes I just speak as a fool. But I pray that even as the fool speaks, that it would just prompt us to think about things. I pray, Father, that we would not be judgmental toward our brothers and sisters, but that we would love our brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray, Father, that we'd be courageous men and women. We live in a society that's apathetic, that we would not be apathetic, that we would be people who are moved. We see things that are happening. We don't sit back and just point at it and complain about it. We step into the mix and we do what we can, or we try to do what we can to, to remedy the problem. Help us, Lord, not to forget that we are salt and we are light. And help us to become bright lights in these dark days. In Jesus' name, amen. You are.